Welcome to the Issues of Sports. I am your host, Evan Makovsky, along with the rude dog, Rudy Reyes. And today's topic, we are talking about the huge trade that just went down in the NFL between the San Francisco 49ers and the Carolina Panthers. As CMC, Christian McCaffrey, was traded to the San Francisco 49ers from Carolina who are in rebuilding mode as they also traded away Robbie Anderson this week to the Arizona Cardinals. And they got in return from San Francisco a 2023 second round pick, third round pick, fourth round pick, and a 2024 fifth round pick. We're going to talk about that trade and then compare it sort of to some of the other bigger trades in NFL history and how they panned out. First of all, Rude Dog, how are you? Man, I'm doing great. I, I know CMC's doing a lot better. I can tell you that right now. Spotted on the 49er uh, practice campus uh, this morning. It was interesting to see him in the colors that he was wearing, uh, which makes him a happy camper. So you know what? If he's happy, I'm happy. Well, from CMC's perspective, he's got to be happy because the Carolina Panthers are an absolute disaster. They're in they're in rebuild mode. Um, you know, I mentioned that they traded away Robbie Anderson. Matt Rule didn't work out as a head coach. And they're just, you know, there's no reason that they need CMC on their roster. I just want to first discuss them and then we'll get to San Francisco, who I believe maybe is now the favorite in the NFC here. But Carolina, it, it was the right move. I think it's a a decent haul that they got. I, you know, I got back, oh, how do they not get a first rounder back? Well, I would say that running back is kind of, even though CMC has been dominant when he's been on the field, it's a replaceable part. A lot of times when running backs hit the age of 30, they don't perform well in the NFL. So it's not really a high value position but CMC has been a stud. He had his career year. He was drafted in 2017 out of Stanford. He um, had a career year in 2019. But then in 2020 and 2021, he misses 23 out of 33 games. So I, I think it's basically a, a fair trade. I call it a wash trade for a couple of reasons. CMC injured a ton last year. Uh, their head coach, Sheen Carousel, has been nothing but that. Matt Rule went, um, what, his record's 0-3. Uh, when I say that, I mean not no season has he been there as a head coach and gone anywhere near 500, much less over 500. So Matt Rule, definitely collegiate coach in the wrong position. I know ownership's really shaking its head right about now. Robbie Anderson, prior to this big news by CMC and the 49ers trading up and giving those those three trades, not first-rounders, um, to, to the Carolina Panthers who need it desperately, right? Because you know they're going to be looking up at quarterbacks at least in the second round. We know that Pittsburgh went first and 20 in the 2022 NFL draft with that 20th pick, which kind of broke the mold after five defensive linemen were picked by the teams before them. So it just, it just shows that the Panthers are who the Panthers are, at least right now. And I think CMC is in a much happier place. Uh, I know that Robbie Anderson is a much happy place, even though he was disgruntled, not only with the coaching change, but 
I think the the leadership components as a part of that as well. I don't believe the head coach would be the only position coach that will be uh, changed this year. Um, as we know, the assistant coach, now the head coach, at least the owner didn't want to call him interim. Tepper wanted to just call him, well, we're going to evaluate him from now with obvious vagueness in regards to what that looks like. But I think that without giving a first round, made this a relatively wash trade between the picks that the 49ers were able to give away and what they got back in return. But it only is valued if, and this is the if, has been the if factor in Christian McCaffrey's you know career in Carolina if he stays healthy. And now you turn to the San Francisco 49ers who are starting to get healthy, and they, they got a lot of uh, – Weapons: Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, uh, their current running back, who I hear they may move to wide receiver, and I'm sure he'll get Jeff Wilson Jr. has been playing pretty well for them. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo got is now back in there after Trey Lance. I mean, I, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is the biggest question with the San Francisco 49ers here as they – as they press forward, and um, I, I please let me not men- forget to mention Debo Samuel. So they got a lot of weapons now. And, and, you know, as you look at the NFC, especially the NFC West, is Arizona won last night over the Saints to move to three and four. So all the teams are pretty close together. The Rams are the defending champion, but they they don't look great this year. I I, I, I don't know why. I don't want to say that I've spent tons of time watching them, but I think San Francisco in the NFC, now are they better than Kansas City, who they're playing this weekend, and Buffalo? I'm not so sure, but we're just talking about their conference. I would say that they are probably at the head of the conference. I mean, the New York Giants, you go to the East, that's much better, but they're not proven. No, no, and the Giants still have a long way to go. I mean, look, the, the quarterback is only one year after being drafted two years ago and finally having a decent year, even though he missed some time with a high ankle sprain. I think when you look at Daniel Jones, he's becoming a product of Brian Dable's former quarterback, and we know who that is with Josh Allen running all over the place with that hurdle. Oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? You know, those types of plays is something that Daniel Jones may not arrive at making hurdles and jumps things of that nature i think that's just out of his character maybe athleticism in a combination of those two uh, but when you move back to the west i think the 49ers are basically right there near near the top if not the the top of the nfc west now i take nothing away from from seattle and their move uh to not only have geno smith start as their quarterback but it wasn't much of a contest when you look at what drew Locke did in, in, in preseason football as well as training camp and scrimmage games and such. Practices maybe didn't, they didn't go as planned. But I think the 49ers are getting healthy at the right time. I don't foresee them taking any step backwards, albeit injuries to guys like Debo Samuel. Kittle goes back to IR. You know, things like that would really handicap them greatly. The Rams are slipping to the back seat. They really are. It's offensive line play. It's the fact that Matthew Stafford does not have the weapons that he had last year. Um, you know, you're missing Von Miller on the defensive side of the ball. Now in Buffalo, the aforementioned Bills. Uh, I, I just think that the Rams are missing the element, almost the killer instinct. And I don't want to call it a Super Bowl hangover, but that actually is what it should be considered a Super Bowl hangover. 
But when you look at the 49ers, they're just getting healthy at the right time. They have a more of a complete team. Jimmy Garoppolo is stepping in for an injured Trey Lance. We know what this team is going to look like this year, but what is it going to look like next year moving forward when the tables kind of shift? Are they going to sign Jimmy Garoppolo to a longer deal because he doesn't want to leave San Francisco? We know that. He's very familiar with the Shanahan system. He's comfortable with it. Um, If Trey Lance is healthy and he's ready to go, could be a quarterback shootout there um, in in 49ers training camp in 2023. Yeah, well, I mean, not to to get off topic, but you know, Garoppolo. Some I, I feel like the rap on him is not that he's not good, but sometimes he just makes bad decisions in key moments, and that's why you're not people are not fully on board with. Jimmy G, like, I, I don't know if he's panned out. He was so hyped. And, you know, of course, you know, you go back when he was with the Patriots, did Bill Belichick really want him to supplant Tom Brady? And and he was overpowered there. So uh, Garoppolo gets traded away. But I, I, I mean, he's, he's good. He makes a lot of money, but uh, can you trust him? That 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 seems to be, and maybe now with somebody like McCaffrey, who is explosive, exciting. He's you know he's a he can do things that not a lot of players can do. The 49ers will be a force to be reckoned with. Well, they will, and and here's where the 49ers will actually separate themselves. They're going to get healthier. They're going to get better. They're going to incorporate uh, see. See, you know, potentially because he's very fast, he's quick. His dad, Ed McCaffrey, also equivalently fast. Um, so one of those things that you just can't get away from is football lineage, and that's what that's what CMC has. He has that Ed McCaffrey uh, uh, toughness to him. The only difference between him and his dad in those careers uh, separately, but when you look at them combined, his son injured a lot more, played less games, obviously, than McCaffrey did. Um, and in a, in a Shanahan system, back now at full circle when his dad played in a Shanahan system. So it's just kind of interesting how the 49ers team is evolving into who I believe they actually could be. Now on Jimmy Garoppolo, yes, he was great in New England, but he had Bill Belichick. Same thing you could have the argument from Tom Brady when when the Buccaneers faced off against Pittsburgh at Acrisure Stadium. He looked kind of off i mean i'll be honest with you i've never seen tom brady throw as many errant passes perhaps it was the offensive line they didn't pick up the blitzers they didn't pick up the guys trying to close the gaffs or i don't know what it was but there was something uncharacteristic about tom brady that i seen another former patriots goat quarterback greatest of all time seven time super bowl winner uh just a lot of miscues from him now i think bill belichick in his wisdom decided to say you know what we don't want Jimmy Garoppolo, because maybe he recognized, seen something, witnessed something, says, you know what, we're going to send him packing. We're going to send him somewhere else. We want X, Y, and Z draft picks, and that's exactly what they received. So he goes over to the 49ers. He coughs up the ball to the Rams in an NFC championship game, and guess what? They go to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl ring. So uh, I think Jimmy G, as good as he is, has to stay away from those types of indecisive um tosses the cough-ups as i like to say and i hate to say that it just sounds so horrible it's got a terrible connotation to it but at the same token i think if the 49ers stay on track 
uh, Jimmy Garoppolo plays much better ball this year and doesn't give up the ball when he shouldn't, which is no time at all, throw the ball away, use your check down if it's not, if it's if it's a touchdown, whatever it is, just get rid of the ball, play better ball. I think the 49ers certainly are onto something. So this episode of the issues of sports is the CMC trade and other similar trades in NFL history and kind of how they played out. And the first one that occurred to me last night was speaking of the Rams was when they acquired Marshall Falk, who was a very good running back for the Indianapolis Colts. And it was after the 98 season in 1999, the beginning of 99, they get Marshall Falk for a second and fifth round pick from the Colts. The Rams go on to win the Super Bowl, the greatest show on turf that year with Kurt Warner, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, uh, Roland Williams, so the whole cast of characters, but Falk certainly was the most explosive star of them all, even including Isaac Bruce, in, in my opinion. And the Colts, though, went on to draft Edgerin James, so who turned into a great NFL player as well. So that would be the first trade that would occur to me. But however great Marshall Falk was at San Diego State and with the Indianapolis Colts, he just ratcheted it up a level when he became a St. Louis Ram. Yes, he actually did. You know what? If I was him, I wouldn't give a Falk. I mean, he certainly did everything he needed to do. He did it in a Rams uni and he got it done. He just got it done. Another guy, another Ram, and I don't know what it is with, with the Rams, albeit St. Louis, Los Angeles, just the Rams in general as an organization. Of course, they uh, they, they still are, I believe they have sold ownership. So now with Crocky being the owner versus the, um, I'm trying to think of the last family's name that owned the Rams, um, in St. Louis, in, in fact, traded Jerome Bettis. Was it, April was it George, the, uh, of 96. Georgia, yeah. Georgia Frontieri. Front Frontieri, correct. You got it. And and so she sends Jerome Bettis packing. He led the Rams in rushing, led the NFL in rushing. And they say, you know what? We're just going to give him away. You know, we're only going to get a third-round pick. And, you know, the 96 and fourth selection, 97, eh, it doesn't matter. Running backs grow on trees. We all know that's not the case. Even in today's standards, by today's standards, we know that Jerome Bettis is a guy who went on to play for Pittsburgh. He's known as the bus, finally won his ring in his hometown of Detroit, Michigan, in Super Bowl 40, and the rest is history. Did he retire after that? Absolutely. And most players that get traded like that have a little bit of animosity. They wear a little chip on their shoulder because they had given their team their all. And that's knowing because I interviewed Jerome Bettis uh, a few years back, and one of the things that I captured from him is he is the nicest guy to Ooh. ever leave Notre Dame to become an NFL football player, go Irish. So one of the things that I liked about him and the, and the interview overall, he was very candid, he's very humble, and that's just who he is, and that's who the Steelers got uh, to help them win uh, their fifth Super Bowl. So, you know, again, many other trades involved, in NFL history and reminds me of Seattle Seahawks trade when they traded Percy Harvin to the Jets, which I think was the most bonehead decision by the Seahawks because Percy Harvin went on to have a stellar, you know, career uh, <laughs> with, with the New York Jets, despite, you know, having done absolutely everything he needed to win a Super Bowl ring there in Seattle. Uh, fortunately, the Jets are who the Jets are and we know what happened. 
but, you know, there's so many others just like him. Uh, another trade would be the in uh, 1987. It's a three-team deal. I- I'm not going to get into all all the details, but the Indianapolis Colts traded for Eric Dickerson, and you know I, I-, I can I can give it to you. The Colts, you know, sheesh, uh, they traded. Uh, they traded running back Greg Bell. Then they traded Bell and, and three draft picks, as well as their first and second round picks in 1988, their second rounder in 1989, and running back Owen Gill to the Rams in exchange for Dickerson, who, listen, I'm not saying those players turned out to be great, but I don't think really Dickerson turned out to be great. So, you know, the results here are all over the map as far as, you know, what, what's going to happen here and how it's going to play out with Christian McCaffrey. But, uh, you know, the, the Dickerson trade, and, and we'll get to the, the if you want to say, yeah, clearly the worst trade of all time is no secret. It's Herschel Walker, who's running for the state, state Senate in Georgia right now. But uh, as the um, Minnesota Vikings... Uh, the Dallas Cowboys traded him away, and we'll we'll get to that. But we'll, let's let's start with Dickerson. So one thing that I do know about Eric Dickerson, I also had a chance to, to interview him. And Eric Dickerson, again, another humble guy, a very I mean, a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. Uh, one thing I did learn about Eric Dickerson is that he knew what he had. Uh, he was very upset in regards to that trade. I don't believe that they should have even thought about trading Eric Dickerson. But again, it's, it's lack of having a conscious understand, look, this guy is who he is, and he's not going to change anything about himself coming from a very humble uh, life that he had living with his mom as a single parent household. Um, just one thing that I really like about Eric Dickerson from, from the standpoint of football lineage is that he is a guy to be reckoned with. I mean, he does have a little bit of, you know, swag to him, but that's, that's his personality. That's his attitude, right? So me and him sharing the same birthday month, I don't know if it's an attitude that I, that I certainly have, but <laughs> something Eric Dickerson certainly possesses is his ability to just get it done. And he did it with the Rams until um, 86 and then traded off to Indianapolis where he still had a really decent career, but – Again, one of those things where once you get to the third team and now the fourth team in Atlanta, before that it was the Raiders. You know, one thing that you'll always remember about Eric Dickerson, if you ever have a chance to meet him, Evan, is that he's going to say it like it is, bottom line. And I think that that trade was indicative of running backs, inclusive, talking about running backs, Jerome Bettis being traded, uh, even the Marshawn Lynch trade. As well, him getting sent from Seattle Buffalo. to Buffalo, right? So, yeah, so it just goes to show that. Re- reverse, not... reverse, Buffalo to Seattle. Buffalo, yeah. Seattle. So that right there worked out. But it goes to show that running backs still have a commodity within the NFL framework that almost can never be erased. I mean, what, who's going to kick the ball? Your custodian? I mean, it's got to be a punter. It's got to be a field goal kicker. It's got to be that kind of guy uh, and that individual to really get that done. Uh, because without him, you have nobody. Then you start getting backup kickers that aren't really kickers. 
They played maybe, what, six months in college as a kicker? And, and here they are in an NFL game maybe to win it or lose it for a team when they haven't kicked the ball in a good, I don't know, eight years? I don't know. I just think the running back position should be uh, much more valued than it actually is, even by today's standard, despite when you see formations of guys like CMC lining up opposite of Debo Samuel, as we're going to witness um, this this coming Sunday. So uh, certainly a lot to be considered uh, when it comes to CMC. I want to see him stay uninjured. I want to see him stay healthy. Uh, because I'm a player advocate first, I really believe that, that he has that talent and that skill set uh, to really show what Carolina could have had had they have held on to him and surrounded him with an actual drafted second, obviously, uh, overall pick uh, quarterback for their organization. Well, you know, you mentioned Dickerson, and I have not interviewed him, but I have interviewed Jerome Bettis, and I've met him a few times, and he is a hell of a nice guy. There's no question about that. But Dickerson, when he was traded to the Colts, the Colts weren't very good. So CMC is going to a good team. So, you know, that, that helps as far as the fact that I, I think Dickerson kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say, no, he didn't dog it. He, like you said, he played well. He was, he's a, he's a great player. There's no question about that, but you know, guys got to play, be surrounded by talent. If they're not surrounded by talent, it can be very difficult. I mean, uh, CMC the last few years, yes, he was injured, but Carolina has not been anything great. I mean, so so it's hard. Well, it's really difficult when you don't have a starting quarterback, you have a, a, a coaching carousel, albeit, you know, some guy who's the assistant coach, now the head coach. I hate to use the word interim, but it is it is what it is, whether Tepper wants to say it or not. Um, you have to be surrounded, and it starts with the head coach. They're the He's the guy that is sending out the message and the signals to say, you know what, are you buying in? Is this what you're trying to accomplish? We're here for the same goal, and that is to win. If you're not a part of that goal and you're not part of that vision, then get out of the way and let somebody else do it. And I don't know that they have someone in that kind of mold. I mean, head coaches don't grow on trees. You still have available head coaches in the NFL, uh, Eric Bieniemy being one of them. Uh, uh, they're, they're just they're, – they're, but there's not many. There are a few, but there's not many. And if you go after some of these guys headed into the 2023 season, you want a guy who's been there, done that, who's won a ring as a head coach, maybe one as a player. We see what happened with the great Dick LeBeau ended up being, you know, Detroit Lions Hall of Famer as a player um, and then ultimately being voted into the Hall of Fame as, as a coach, as a defensive coach. So he utilized his knowledge and his understanding of the game to make the fire blitz what it is today. Is it used as often? Well, no. Maybe in the scheme of things, uh, in a 3-4 or 4-3, depending on how you look at it or whatever your team plays, um, certainly you can make the argument that you have to – have the right talent surrounding him. To your point, Evan, you're right. It starts with the head coach, but beyond that, it starts with the franchise. And if the franchise doesn't believe in itself, doesn't have the proper monies, aren't, and they're not set up accordingly in order to get the right people in the right position to make the right plays and to make the right draft picks, teams like the Panthers will stay just as they are. So we mentioned the Herschel Walker trade, and one, this can be traced 
directly to the Dallas Cowboys dynasty in the 1990s. They won three Super Bowls in 92, in 93. They were Super Bowl champions. And then in 1995, they won again, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that trade that really propelled it happened in 1989. It's the largest trade in NFL history. It involved 18 players and draft picks. It launched the Dallas Cowboys dynasty. So you had Herschel Walker. He had accounted for more than 2,000 all-purpose yards in 1988 for the Dallas Cowboys. But Jimmy Johnson was the head coach at the time of the Dallas Cowboys, and he knew he needed to build a team. Minnesota thought Walker was the last player it needed to make a Super Bowl. After intense negotiations, the Cowboys traded Herschel Walker along with their third and 10th round picks in the 1990 draft, the San Diego Chargers fifth round pick, that same draft, and they acquired running back Darren Nelson and their third round pick. There's 18 players, so bear with me here. And their third round pick in the 91 draft to Minnesota. The Vikings traded linebacker Jesse Solomon, linebacker David Howard, cornerback Isaiah Holt, defensive end Alex Stewart, Minnesota's first second and sixth round picks in the 1990 draft and a second round pick in the 92 draft. However, the trade had a conditional draft picks option with four players. Minnesota traded. If Johnson cut them before February 1st, 1990, the Cowboys would also get Minnesota's first and second round picks in the 1991 draft. But he and Vikings general manager made a deal to lessen Minnesota's hit on the draft picks and that Cowboys could keep those players. So Dallas then used the picks to trade and acquire players that included Emmett Smith, Darren Woodson, Russell Maryland, and went on to win three Super Bowls in four seasons. Three Super Bowls in four seasons. The Vikings only made the playoffs once with Walker, who never found his footing in Minnesota and signed with the Philadelphia Eagles in 1992. So that is the biggest. That's monstrous. That's absolutely monstrous. You know what? They're probably still collecting draft picks to this day. <laughs> <laughs> because, the, because there's just that many. It's so condensed and so thick. When you think about the great train robberies it was actually called, it just lets you know that this was the biggest heist in NFL history when you look at what Jerry Jones had done then compared to the Minnesota Vikings and what they continue to do year after year after year after year after year. It just continues going. It's like that It's like that rabbit with the battery in it. You know, they're always going, always moving, but never going anywhere. And the Vikings still have yet to go anywhere. They face off against the Steelers in the Super Bowl. That didn't work out too well. Purple people eaters look like gummy bears. I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was nothing even relative. And to this day, the Minnesota Vikings are still trying to find their footing from an organizational standpoint. Yeah, they've won a division title here and there, but nothing major. And I think Herschel Walker, his career, yeah, so he went to Minnesota, then ended up signing with another team. It wasn't the right fit. And Herschel Walker himself probably scratches and laughs about this all the time when he's not in front trying to run for a gubernatorial candidate role. But um, I just think that this was a bigger win for Dallas uh, than it would have ever been for Minnesota. 
but but again, the, the list goes on and on and on uh, in regards to who picks what, when, how, why, sometimes for the right reasons, sometimes for the wrong reasons, and we see this on an ongoing basis. But circling back around to this CMC trade, again, again albeit CMC stays healthy, ready to go, in, the, in this season, headed into week seven in the NFL, as we know there's not that many weeks left in the NFL season. Of course, they make it seem that way, and granted, it probably is with each game, and it's compacted and so on and so forth. This is probably the best trade for both parties moving forward, and again, only if CMC can stay healthy. Yeah, I would say that as far as where does this trade kind of fall in the and there's other trades you know randy moss even russell wilson you have Deshaun watson going to cleveland that we can get into but i think we can we can leave it and i you know it's not going to be the herschel walker trade which was just like you said a, a trade robbery like it's not you know of course the herschel walker all you need to know is emmett smith is the leading rusher in nfl history and he was a draft pick. So uh, that's really all you – and, yes, their first year, Aikman – well, Aikman came in 89, and they stunk. And then I believe they, in, in 1990, they were they were 1-15 in 89, and then the Cowboys – then 7-9, and nine, and then and – then, but they at that point, they made the trade, and, and then they just got really good. They lost in 91 to the Detroit Lions in the second round. I remember that the year the Redskins, the last time the – or the Washington Commanders, excuse me, won the Super Bowl and with Mark Rippon at quarterback. But uh, all I'm saying is I don't think – I feel like maybe because the Colts got Edger and James, I still think the Rams got the better of that Falk deal. Uh, but the Colts still kind of were able to stabilize and land on their, their feet, and they, they became a good team with Edger and James and – Peyton Manning, and and they ended up, you know, they won the Super Bowl the the year after James left the team and uh, with Joseph Adai, but James was a very good player out of the University of Miami. I feel like the CMC trade is not the Herschel Walker trade, but maybe, maybe it's more along the lines of the Marshall Falk trade. Uh, I feel like the Dickerson deal was a bad deal for the Indianapolis Colts. So I would say, so like, like, you know, on the continuum of bad deals, I would say you have the worst deal is the Walker trade. The Dickerson trade was a bad deal. That stuck up the joint. That was Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the Falk trade was advantage Rams, but not, not horrid. So I think CMC is, is not going to go down unless unless he's hurt all the time here. I mean, it has to play out. If he's hurt all the time, then advantage Carolina Panthers. But if he goes on and they win a Super Bowl, or you know, if they they win a Super Bowl, that's it. He can he can he's good. Like it's almost like Tom Brady to the Bucks. Even if he stinks from yeah. here on out, he validated yeah. playing because he won a Super Bowl with Tampa. So him going to Tampa was a good decision for the franchise. So it has to play out. Yeah. And I would like to see this play out in such a way that allows CMC, not only from a health standpoint, but to stay healthy. 
right? Because if they go on to win a Super Bowl, as you said, I really think that this c- cements this trade as being a win for the 49ers and a loss if he is consistently injured to a point where there's no return. And at that point, it's a complete bust. But CMC's healthy. He's ready to go. I want to see what he brings uh, to this 49ers team. It gives him m- many more options uh, from the out- from the outside, maybe the inside, maybe in, in a halfback blocking you know set with, with a two-line RB behind the QB. I mean, it, it really is going to be based on, on schematics and what Shanahan is going to try to accomplish with him in the backfield. It's fun, isn't it? It's fun, though, to have these kinds of trades. And now, like you said, see what happens here because, all right, the Panthers are going to go stink for a while. But CMC, how he how he plays, how the 49ers fare from a win-loss standpoint and into the playoffs. And that's not all on CMC, like you said. You know, Jimmy G still has to – to do his part, but if he's electric, I mean, this could be something. Well, it could very well be. I want to see how this uh, how this all plays out. Panthers are on a, on an uphill battle, but they do have the picks that they need, and I think they're going to use them very systematically. I suspect ownership to be all over this right now to try to find their franchise quarterback. And see, here's here's the problem, and, and I'll leave you I'll leave you with this: organizations and ownerships barely tip their fingers in water. There's one guy who does it year after year. Maybe it's a, to a point where he fails, and that's Jerry Jones. Hasn't been to a playoffs since 95, hit a playoff game, but after that, it went Flatsville, USA. Ownership doesn't take any stock in any of that. They leave it to the professional. They leave it to the people. They have the money. They want the decision makers to be the ones that they trust, that they value. They value their football knowledge. They value the intermediaries uh, to help make that decision as well, along with coaching staff. So you have a lot of fingers in the pie. And from a scout standpoint, they have to be able to identify the right quarterback for their system, just like any of the other 31 NFL teams. If you have that combination and you can actually make that become a reality, you may have something. But Carolina Panthers are still in rebuild mode, as we see it from the top of the show. Um, they're going to be there at least for the next year, maybe two years. Depends on what they get for the Robbie Anderson trade, along with CMC and those draft picks accordingly. Um, so I want to see what they actually do with it. I'm really, I'm really interested to see how they're able to right the ship from an organizational standpoint and make something out of the picks that they've been given based on what they had given up. Your, your overall point on Jerry Jones is spot on, but he did, and I know this because I'm a Giants fan, he did make the playoffs in 2008. They were the number one seed with Terrell Owens and Tony Romo and the Giants. That was the year they beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. The, they were the number one. The Giants upset them in Dallas in the second round after the Giants were a wild card team and they went on in the second round to beat the Dallas Cowboys. But no, they have not been in the playoffs basically much at all since they won three Super Bowls with Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer, they won the third Super Bowl. Right. That's correct. And and so the the point is they haven't been to a Super Bowl since 95. So they're they're stuck on five. 49ers are stuck on five. You only have two teams in NFL history that have six or more, and those are the Steelers and the New England Patriots. So um, 
again, I want to see what they, how they utilize CMC, what they're going to do with him in the backfield, maybe on the outside. Um, but I think more importantly, I want to see what Carolina does with those picks. I'll be really interested uh, as I'll be attending the NFL draft in 2023 to find out how they use those picks and do they use them wisely? I think that's a bigger question above all else. Well, Root Dog, you know, it's wrapping up here the issues of sports, but you, you've you sort of inspired me. So I used to go by the nickname EMAC, short for Evan Makovsky, when I did a show in St. Louis, the EMAC show, and I kind of retired it. But since I've kind of teamed up with you, I feel like maybe I need to, you know, like, you know, Clark Kent, Superman kind of bring, <laughs> bring back, uh, bring back EMAC, the EMAC and Root Dog show. I mean, I just, you know, simple short for Evan Makovsky, but I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to marinate on that, but I, I want Please. you to know that you have brought that to the surface, like an old, like almost like that, that I want to get back to that. And you can never retire it. something that you named yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right. So that's going to do it for an inspiring episode of the issues of sports for Rudy, Rude Dog Reyes. I'm Evan Emac Makovsky, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Like it, love it, share it. We appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in.